Fox Cat. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 218. Standing behind you, watching you dress. But not in a creepy way. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Now, it's just because, uh, you know, if there's nothing on television, we've got to watch something. That's what you'll do? Sure. Now that... Uh... No, no, that's what Box Cutters will do, generally. Ah. The no, podcast. It's, it's, it's getting worse. Is it? It's getting worse. Is it? It's in the corner you of know, your eye. Back in the Don't day, look. I'm, I'm sure you would have been able to just look across the quadrangle at the the blinds up naked lady. <laughs> does every uh, does every town have a blinds up naked lady, or is it just no? Like, my just my flat. Right. My my flat had uh, a series uh, in the block of flats across from. Uh, from my flat, mm-hmm. uh, a series of uh, of different tenants who would move in and then just get undressed in front of the the open window. It's uh, quite entertaining. How Hitchcockian. Uh, Hitchcockian. Except slash close enough that you didn't need a, a pair of binoculars right. to look. And, uh, and also cl- close enough that you really wanted to avert your eyes okay. as, as often as possible. Uh, yeah, it was. I've got stories for you, but they're they're all they're they're all for for off air. Hey, in this episode of Box Cutters, we've uh, we've we've got guests. We've got Danny Lick, mm-hmm. although in Melbourne he would be called Illich. Yeah, Danny Lick for Melbourne, but for the rest of the country, Danny Lick uh, of uh, of Hungry Beast fame. He'll he'll be calling through to talk about his ads that he's done for the interwebs, about- the viral uh, videos, as they were. Yes. Vile and viral. That, that we've heard uh, so much about over the last week, but you may not have realised it was Dan Illick uh, yeah. that put those together. So he, he, talks about, he talks about doing those. We've also got David Bluestein, uh, whose name I now know is pronounced that way because we pre-recorded that interview. Oh, uh, you, you've destroyed the magic. Oh, sorry. Hang on. Whose name Josh will get wrong later for some yes, odd reason. For, for, for no good reason, <laughs> mm-hmm. David Bluestein. Uh, is uh, is coming in to talk about writing for Good Newsweek and uh, Glasshouse and uh, and some other stuff that he's doing. So that's coming up later on in the show. Uh, we've also got one thing. We've uh, we may or may not have a quiz. Brett Cropley. I hadn't even thought of it. Let's uh, say no. no. <laughs> uh, we've got some pork as always. Though we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. <laughs> In news that has just come in, and by just come in, I mean uh, it was uh, it, it was released on the Australian website uh, early on Monday morning. Uh, Channel Ten announced that they are going to have another digital channel. It is going to be an entertainment-based channel, mm-hmm. and uh, as opposed to their non-entertainment-based. Well, channel. It, it does, well, yeah, it does raise questions. No, I mean as opposed to One HD, which is a sports. sports. Channel, yeah, but which how, is not entertaining. But tell me, tell me, Gong, tell me how this is different to the ten channel itself, though. Uh, it's not going according to, to David Mott, uh, who is the chief programmer at Ten. Uh, it's not going to have uh, any shows that have debuted on the main Channel Ten signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not just going to be repeats of Channel Ten shows. It's not going to be 
spin-offs of any of the uh, main shows that they have on Channel 10. It's going to be all new content, apparently. Oh, okay. So, so is that like saying they're going to burn good content like Channel 9 are doing with Community on Go? Well, is it is it going to be is it burning content if they're actually going to promote it hard like they like they do with One HD? I mean, one they really they really push quite a lot. Are they going to push their uh, new entertainment channel as much? We'll have to wait and see because it's only burning at the moment yeah, until the analog signal gets turned off. Then then it all sort of. Even then, no, no, then people are flipping. People like are flipping. The your seven one, your ninety, your ten are going to be still the primary channels. Do you think? I, th- I don't know. I think people kind of lose that once it's all just stuff. I think that's been the problem with with the commercial stations bringing in new their, their new signals. So so the seven two seven three um, is that they've been unsure about how to do that, introduce those new channels without segmenting their own audience, without cannibalising their figures. But um, So I, I still think that they are going to have a single main channel that they push people to. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, it's all, it's all going to be fine because they don't have to pay those huge licence fees that they used to have to pay. Oh, thank you, so, Stephen Conroy. Yeah, so, so no problem there. Oh, I'd like uh, to point out the angry email I sent to Stephen Conroy two weeks ago, still waiting for a reply. Anytime, Stephen. Anytime you want to send a reply to someone who sends you an email, just you know, anytime. He's, he's just he's just you and trying. the other twenty million emails he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we pay him for. Just trying to work out some intellectually dishonest answers he can send you away. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ten Chief Executive Grant Blackley said that the channel won't be launched until after June thirty. That doesn't mean it's going to be launched on July first. It just means it's going to be launched after June thirty mm. of this year. Mm. Uh, the Australian Mars landing, I believe, is also happening after after June thirty. Yes, yes, that's that's true. Yeah, uh, Seven has also confirmed that it is planning a, a second multi-channel for this year, uh, but I believe that's just going to be our dream of genie. So, this, the, in that way, they're, they're talking about them as multi-channels. They're not talking about them as the new Seven channel. Uh, no, but I think with Seven, it's not going to be a new channel. It is just going to be I Dream of Genie and maybe Mash and maybe some Alf. Mm-hmm. Just to I, I know, actually had a new look content. I, I I had not remembered at all how cheesy the Alf theme tune was. <laughs> it has some saccharine sax in there. It is so horrible. Oh, it is. Yeah, it it really is. Uh, so I think that's that's going to be interesting for, for Channel Ten if they do put as much work into it as they have put into One, which I think is a, a really great channel. Uh, but one has had a real point of difference in that it is old sports, and it might be might be slam ball that they're paying twenty cents an episode for. Um, so it's not necessarily that expensive, but they you can know say sports, 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 sports. Yeah. Sport, sport, Curiously, sport. Though, I think go or go is starting to really work because it has taken on this bizarre retro kind of. You know, you go to go knowing it's where TV goes to die, and I think people kind of like that. Well, it's it's a weird it's a weird mix because it's it's kind of where TV goes to die, but then it's also they've got the shows that we think are really good, mm. but Channel Nine don't think that they can actually yep. get away well, with they, showing them. They don't have space because they've got to show all those episodes of Two and a Half Men. <laughs> well, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, they are contractually obliged to show Two and a Half Men eight times, times per a week. day. <laughs> that kid's going to grow up eventually, isn't he? Oh, Charlie has. Sheen? No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Actually, hey! Did you see? Uh, did you see the article this week uh, that Charlie Sheen? And this may just be about contract negotiations, but he's talking about leaving. 
he's, he's talking about leaving the show that is based around him. Yeah, because he's got so many other options now. So, <laughs> I know. And, and he could do one and a half man or three and a half men. Well, they're, they're talking about so, so the show will be left as one and a half men. But surely it won't continue on if Charlie, if he's not there. That's, that's, like, that's like, you know, r- removing one of the dads from my two dads. It just becomes my dad. Um, yes. Or uh, like removing the Valerie from Valerie. And it became the, the Hogan the family. Or, or was it Valerie's family? For a no, they bit? wanted to make it Valerie's family, but she wouldn't let them use her name. So they just made it the Hogan's. They could claim it was a different family. Valerie. Yeah, not that Valerie. Not, not it that. It was another Valerie. It was different. They could say Vel's family. Vel. They could. Hey, uh, speaking of things that have nothing to do with this at all, but yeah, are yeah. vaguely Channel 9 related, yeah. someone's got some Daryl Summers news. I'm looking at you, Cropley. I, I, it just seems, what, what is Daryl Summers' problem? He, he just keeps on whining and whining and whining. He whined about- new segment. What's Daryl Summers' problem? <laughs> this week. Hang on, hang on, it needs a theme song. What is it this week, Daryl? First, uh, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, he he was whining that uh, he'd been snubbed for a nomination for a Gold Logie, even though he had the two highest rating shows of last year. Um, surely, surely he he should have been up for it. At <laughs> How can that you point. do that? That's what he How said. can you go out That's and go? Why didn't you nominate me for an award? I just don't. Oh, oh. My Avatar film, it's made me billions of dollars. Why aren't you nominating me for acting awards, you <laughs> bastards? I just got, I got nothing but my money to fall back on. Uh, and uh, this week we've seen, uh, oh, bureaucracy and red tape may, may destroy a, a television historical icon in Chocolato. Because uh, because now there are requirements for uh, lotteries permits for any uh, lotteries. That is a game of chance, not a game of skill, uh, with prizes over $5,000. I'm actually kind of surprised that that requirement wasn't around in 1999 when uh, <coughs> it was. Hey Hey <laughs> finished up. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so he's had, like, more than nine months since the last So, so basically, of, they're, of asking him, they're asking him just to do the same thing for this quiz that every other person has to do. Yes, yes. Gee, he just has to be up to what everyone else is expected to do in the same just, circumstances. And just, just has to get a, a permit. Someone has to fill out some paperwork right. and, uh, and pay some money, but not very much money. To get the permit. Charities do it. All the time, and the reaction has been like it, as though he's expected to personally stand in line at each of the lotteries commissions in each of the states each week so that he could get a permit. But it's nothing like that. Like you know, you've got, you you have PAs and 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 people that work on production crews that do that sort of stuff all the time, and yet he's saying that uh, it's absurd. Bureaucracy is now threatening the very nature of show business these days. Oh. That's the direct <laughs> quotes. Oh, Daryl Summers. <laughs> really? Really? I, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, I have uh, met, noticed over the last week that Channel 9 have started promoting uh, Hey Hey, which will be on Wednesdays starting on April 13, 14, um, starting next week. Right. I think that is essentially. Um, and uh, they've, they've uh, done a, a bit of a, what do you call it? A Photoshop. With video, um, putting putting uh, Wilbur and Lavinia and Red and so maybe maybe Plucker. I can't remember 
at the doorway talking to to uh, Charlie's brother. I can't think of his name with two and a half men, and uh, and you know promoting it that way. We're going to we we new neighbours, right? Because everything now has to be two and a half men related on mm, Channel yeah, Nine mm, as well. So yeah, yeah. How's how is this going to yeah? How is this going to affect my two and a half men viewing? Yeah. How is this new show going to affect that? That was that was how in the end Daryl got it up. That uh, he could he could uh, pitch this this promotional device to uh, to get his crew in talking to to Charlie's right. brother, right. which is uh, which is which is interesting. That's how uh, that's how the news ends every day now on Channel Nine. There's a knock at the door on the news set, and they open it up. <laughs> it's two and a half men, ah, and then just seamlessly into into two and a half men. Yeah. In uh, in in celebrity death news, uh, big week for that. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, John Forsythe. Yep. Who, uh, who people may remember as the grey-haired Blake Carrington mm-hmm. uh, from Dynasty. Dynasty. Or Dynasty. Or Dynasty, if you're in America. Uh, but yes, from Dynasty, as we called it in, in this country. He passed away this week, I remember 92. him more as the voice of Charlie, I must say, from Charlie's Angels. That, that's how I think of him. He was the voice of Charlie, but nobody ever knew that, did they? Well, it sounded like him, yeah, yeah, which yeah, I thought was a giveaway. But, you know. It, did, never, it never, did sound a lot like John Forsyth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he did finish everything with uh, it's John Forsyth, but they they did try to cut that out. Aaron Spelling, Aaron Spelling just tried. It, he just thought it didn't work with the uh, uh, with with the, with the story. Going, yeah, who, who is Charlie? Who is, who is Charlie? Turns out John Forsyth. Who or, knew? Or Charlie Forsyth, as, as the case in, in character may have been. <laughs> he was very good for staying in character. Yeah, he was. He yeah. was great. He was great. Uh, so he passed away, and uh, and the writer David Mills. Uh, also passed away this week. Uh, he wrote for The Wire and ER. Uh, so that's the... Uh, that's, and, uh, <laughs> that's, that's Box Cutter's Death Watch. And yeah. died on set of a new HBO really? uh, series. Yeah. Oh. Um, at, at 48. So... Uh, Unexpected. There, there, was, there were scant details, I think. Um, well, he, he was a larger gent. Uh, in the photo that I saw of him, uh, but uh, yeah, he he was working on the next thing and and just uh, fell over and died. Right. Or died and fell over. I don't, I'm not sure about the the chron- chronology. Your dead person story is depressing. Yeah. 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 Mm. And that is the box cutters news. John Laws is a tremendous lover. Some say the best there's ever been. And now we know his secret. He uses a double valvoline. Yes, a little on the nadsack, a splash upon the stalk. The man with the velvet tonsils leaves you unable to walk. So spectacular is his entry, he's been known to nudge a spleen. And all because he uses a little double valvoline. Know what I mean? You know what I mean. Craig McLaughlin, box cutters. Say no more. Hey, Brett, you know our good friend Dan Ellick? Yes. Who's, uh, you know, a very good friend. Who's... One, of the, uh, one of the core cast, the cast of... Sure, let's call them all young people uh, <laughs> as in uh, in Hungry Beast. He's one of the studio hosts. He's, yeah. he's pretty much the face of the commercials now. Well, yeah. Uh, well, speak, speaking of speaking of commercials, uh-huh. he uh, he's he's produced a series of ads for the web about not texting while driving, along the lines of the uh, "if you drink and drive, you're, you're a bloody idiot." And okay. I, th- I think, and I might be corrected here, but I think they were done. For the TAC as a as a viral campaign, you know what I think. Yeah, I've heard of these. Yeah, you know what that's, I think. I think we should speak to him about it. Absolutely, John. What do you think? Yeah. What can we yeah, do? All right. Hit hit that redial button. Okay. No, the, the, okay. the speed hang, dial. Hang on. Hello. 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 Hello, box cutters. Oh hi, Dan Illick. <laughs> it's wow. great to be with you. 
Oh, it's it's so great. It's so great to have you. Now, uh, it's like some, some 70s variety show, isn't it? I know. Who's, who's that knocking at the door? It's Dan Illick. It's Dan Illick. Yeah, and I, I really... On command. We, we had you on the telephone all along. <laughs> uh we uh, so, so we want we want to talk to you about these uh, these ads. Were they done for the TAC? They're done for Vic Roads. For Vic Roads. Yeah, uh, they got commissioned um, uh, early last year, and uh, and then we spent about a month and a half putting them together and, and kind of writing. We did twenty twenty one little clips, um, ranging from uh, four minute sketches down to five second ideas and. Uh, and then they went to testing and got tested, and the bad ones we threw out, and the ones we kept uh, were the ones that passed all the all the testing, and uh, and so uh, and which is funny in a way. Um, Have the bad ones gone up in, on your uh, YouTube channel? No, they won't, and they won't. They they they've deleted. They, they weren't bad. They might have been a bit too edgy, a bit too risque. Um, things you can do in a sketch comedy show, but you can't do when you're representing government brand. I, I have a quote here, actually, from the Roads Minister. We've, we've said we're not, we're not going to talk about this too much, but as you've just hinted yourself there, Dan, there, there has been some controversy about the ads. Um, but Roads Minister Tim Powell says all the ads were tested by experts. The psychology advisory group has shown all the ads and those they believe are acceptable for the purposes of promulgation have been used. So there you go, Dan, for the, for the purposes of promulgation. promulgation. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. Well, he's, he, he, knows, does, he, he knows he's got... Oh, there's two things going on there. He's got a bigger, bigger vocabulary than me <laughs> and, he, and uh, he's, he's much smarter than me but by, he also, but he, by limiting what he says to the press. He also adds, though, there were many others that didn't make the cut, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There. That's right. There are some. Uh, there are some really funny ones that I can't really talk about, but they were good. Why are Vic Rhodes putting money into to trying to get a, a viral lab? Well, it's pretty economical. Economical for them, so they can pay me. Um, they can pay my production company probably half of what it would cost to make one 30-second television commercial. And and so the cost of making one 30-second television commercial for them might be in the realms of $250,000 or something like that. So about, about so for half that price, they can produce what is realistically a, a sketch comedy show. And that's what we do. And since I've got plenty of experience in creating sketch comedy, that's what um, that's kind of what we've been doing. And so that's what I do for my clients anyway around, around the budget. So I work in TV budgets and um, TV... TV size budgets for, for for creating ideas, and so with Vic Roads, it was just a matter of uh, going out there and um, and trying throwing a whole bunch of ideas at the wall and and seeing which ones got up, which ones didn't, and um, it was a really great way of working. Actually, it was terrific. So uh, we worked with I worked with uh, not only just the hounds who are who are who are in many of the videos, um, but also uh, other. Other comedians like Toby Trustlove and Daniel Moore and um, Lawrence Long is in one of them. Lawrence Long was in one of them. Uh, Alan Bro was in another one that that, got, that hit the floor. But hopefully we can get that one back up because I think that one's really funny. Um, uh, so yeah, like there's and, and Virginia, Virginia Trioli guest stars in another one as a as a as a paramedic. So it's it's really um uh, it's really cool. They're really they're really it was a really fun experience. How do you know, Dan? Uh, I'm curious about how much research goes on beforehand to know how to get to the market you want to get at, and then how can you also? We were saying before the show, how do you know if you've even got the message across? Because it's hard to know. You're not selling anything, so it's hard to kind of quantify whether it's worked. Yeah, that's right. Well, all I want to do is make interesting bits of content that people want to share with them, share share with other people. So I don't. Uh, so and if the message comes across. Um, then that's great as well. So I'm all about trying to package uh, a message with entertainment as opposed to selling selling a message. You can always sell a message, but pe- pe- people might not listen. I'm always I'm for for the stuff that I want to create. I want to create 
um, content that's entertaining first and foremost, and then the message comes along with it as well. So it's about um, uh, it's about um, uh, yeah, it's about creating entertaining bits of content, really. Just just say promulgation. It's about promulgation and specificity. <laughs> and we we try to kind of get a little bit edgy so that uh, it would be picked up by media watchers. Ooh, what are these people doing? It's online, and, <laughs> well, and so you get all that extra publicity. I don't know whether this would actually be picked up by media watch. Um, well, I'll have to watch tonight. It's on tonight. I doubt I doubt they'd even touch it um, because it's kind of in the advertising world. Um, but certainly, certainly drove a lot of publicity. Um, uh, over the last week, um, due to the due to people, some people being upset by some of them, but um, it was it was we thought we'd get a bit of publicity from the language about the language being kind of um, and a was, bit edgy. That was one of the things about uh, dickhead being in the yeah yeah. We thought we thought oh yeah that'll that'll drive it that'll that'll get um, parents upset and Neil Mitchell upset and then <laughs> um, kids will go online to see what their parents were upset about. Um, that was kind of that was kind of the intent, but um, I. Certainly didn't expect to. Uh, I didn't certainly didn't in, in creating these. Certainly didn't intend to offend anyone along the way. With the, uh, but one one of the things with the uh, with the TAC ads that you know came out years and years ago about uh, drink and drive, you're a bloody idiot. The language was what got people to to notice the message. Was bloody that much of a yeah thing? At, at at that stage to to say bloody idiot in an ad on uh, on prime time. Uh, and then to have giant billboards of it everywhere. And it those was, words devised as fucking, I believe. Like, I, I don't know. No, 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 seriously. I have read this on many occasions. Maybe, maybe it's, it's now just an urban actually myth. Fucking but cunt. It was meant to be, you know. You're a fucking cunt if you it, it, it was meant to be, you know, uh, uh, you're a fucking idiot was apparently the, the thing that was originally on, on the drawing board which they knew they couldn't do and they were trying to find a, a way to work back from that. So and bloody was it. And, and bloody, bloody was it. So it's kind of funny that you've gone for, because the, the slogan is don't be a dickhead, is that? Yeah, you got it. So yeah, so it's going to be interesting. You've you've just taken that step closer. <laughs> yeah, and I think, but I think it's kind of I think I think it's kind of watered down enough language that um, it's it's kind of language that kids use anyway. It's not. A, I don't think it's a big deal at all for kids. Um, it's not not a massive stretch at all. It's a massive stretch for parents, but I think I think kids and men the media who want to. Who want to jump on some outrage? I, I'm, I'm with you. I didn't even really notice the swearing. But the, the other issue, which oh, sorry, Dan, we're touching on. I'm touching. I'm don't touching t- you, Dan. Touch it. I'm, okay. I'm touching you. Don't touch it. Um, uh, yeah, won't w- heal. There, there has been yeah, redheads has been part of this. Uh, I've got many redhead friends, and you know, and I love them. Are they and offended? The, yeah, they were. They were. I, I know. Yeah, a few people who genuinely were offended by these ads. I mean, are you saying that, Dan, that actually did surprise you? You didn't think oh, it was going to be... Was, it was really massively surprising. I thought people would, would find it funny, but um, it's pretty... Uh, I'm pretty upset that um, people are offended, so... Um... Those fan of pants are such soft cocks. <laughs> See, this is not helping. You're not helping. <laughs> are you, Cropley? Not helping. So there's a problem with it. Can't take a joke. Come on, Brett. The, <laughs> Look, you said that, not me. The, the weird thing I is, did, the I weird did. thing is, though, because I can see those sketches to me would work in in the context of something like The Onion. And The Onion did a, a, a I think a while back, ran a thing about um, a new anti-smoking campaign, which was "Smoking Makes You Gay." Yeah. And it's it's hilarious bit of footage. It's a really funny. It's one of their um, their daytime chat shows, the Today Now program, and. Uh, it's a very funny sketch because they're talking to the man who's made the ads and, and then showing you the ads. And in that context, it's very funny because it's a campaign that obviously no one would actually make. Weirdly, you've made that campaign for real. Yeah, I like to call it Irony Plus. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I thought, look, I just thought um, people wouldn't take it seriously. 
any stretch of the imagination. I've, I, 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 look, I, I've, I do have redhead friends who saw it and think it's hilarious as well, and left messages on my wall, and I think, um, and they, they seem to think it's really, really funny and excellent. And they're in the target demo of eighteen to twenty-two, mm-hmm. of, of sixteen to twenty-two, and that was that was really that's really comforting to know. But, but then it, I've, I've had, um, you know, I've had uh, abusive emails from people well, as well. So. It's funny though, if you'd done it on Hungry Beast though, it, it probably would have been quite a different thing because on yeah, Hungry no Beast it becomes, cared, probably, yeah. yeah, it becomes a kind of ironic comment. Yeah, well, another ironic comment. One of the links um, last week I had a sign behind me said that I love gingers, so uh, <laughs> hopefully people saw that. Then again, they probably didn't. I, I did. I did see that. Oh, good. I, I thought it was it was funny, but out of context. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how, true. How do you spell gingers? Like the outrage. G i n g a s. Like gangsters. Uh, so, so bringing it back to, to Hungry Beast and television, what what are the differences in, uh, you know, other than cost? And I don't see why uh, these videos should be any cheaper than uh, than creating advertisements. Other than, uh, you know, they, they don't look as slick. But the idea that you could have as many mm. as many for, you know, why? I put, I put it down to catering. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you're on a TV set, uh, the best part of the day is going to catering, going to lunch. It's the best. Um, the, the food is ex- extraordinary, and the crews are phenomenal. Um, there's just so much more. But when you're on a TV, when you're on a TV set, um, you know it's usually just a sound hour cameraman and a, and a director who's making great decisions to try and get the same shot or a very similar shot, and for for a, a fraction of the cost. And so, were, were all your talent doing it as a favour to you, or did they? Sorry, what was that? Couldn't just quite hear. Were your talent uh, doing it as a favour to you? Did they did they oh, get no, no, uh, no, kind of commercial rates? Everyone, everyone got paid what they would what they would normally get paid on a TV show. So TV rates rather than commercial rates. Yeah, TV rates rather than ad rates. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is really which is really generous of people. So um, uh, a bit more, like a bit more than a bit more than TV rates. So um, uh, just you know, it's really good because we don't have a lot of money to play with, and so we we ask people to come on board with us, and it's just like. It's just, it was just like producing a half hour, half hour um, of sketches, and so we had we had teams of writers, we had we had um, producers, directors, and um, and um, people in post, and good people in audio post as well, working with us. So it was um, it was good. It was like we were producing an episode of TV. Do, do you think you could use this as a backdoor pilot to produce a series about road safety? <laughs> well, <laughs> not about road safety, but. Um, I would love to do a pilot for the Hounds. I think the Hounds are a, a pretty talented sketch comedy trio who probably mm-hmm. haven't been given a break in, in TV world, and they should. I think they're, they're quite talented. I think now David Tennant's left Doctor Who. Maybe Robert will you know, <laughs> yeah, well, to come into his own. That's right, Robbie Lloyd. <laughs> uh, now tell us quickly, uh, Hungry Beast, this season I think has been much better than the last season. Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's It's, you know, you really... Ironed out a lot of the uh, a lot of the teething issues that we saw, yeah, especially yeah. when we when we first spoke to uh, Mark at the at the start of last season. Uh, have you uh, ha- have you got plans for uh, what you're going to improve next season? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's funny you should uh, ask. Uh, I've certainly got plans uh, for next season. Some great ideas <laughs> ready to go for next season. Uh, that's if there was a next season. Uh, at this stage, we don't. Necessarily, or at this stage, I don't think there will be a next season. Oh, really? So yeah. this is so this is it. Two weeks to go, and then that's the that's yeah, the end of the Beast. So I'll be um, I'll be uh, panhandling down at the local comedy store. <laughs> Why is that? What, what's going on? Have the, have the ratings just sunk that low? Or oh, not at all. We we are we're we're in stone's throw of um, of so you think you can dance. We're about a hundred. 
to 150,000 off so you think you can dance, which is wow. brilliant. So you're crapping on, uh, uh, on Spicks and Specs? We're knocking on Channel 10's door, and we're certainly riding, uh, like Go and then Channel 1, we are, we are definitely riding higher than SBS. Um, <laughs> so th- this is like a sea change thing. You're now so successful, they're going to cancel you and not make you anymore. That's right, yeah. It'll, it'll, forever, it'll forever be a, a fond memories of our show in people's minds. <laughs> has, it been, has it been the network or is it a Bruder uh, decision? Oh no! Um, well, look, I'm sure we'd all love to go again. I'm sure the I'm sure uh, production company would love to go again, but I can't speak on behalf of the network. Uh, it's 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 strange because uh, you know it's, they're producing a show that is obviously a, a popular show, obviously uh, hitting its demographics. And, and I doing... think the good news is that Can We Help will definitely be back for next season. Oh well, <laughs> I don't even know what we're it's worrying excellent. about. Pete Rose Thorn's <laughs> interstitials they're, they're gold, gold. <laughs> And the and the graphics the graphics on Can We Help <laughs> yeah, are yeah. just are just so good those those little bits where they tell you all about how people help differently yeah it's really good just really really you really eventually all old people learn how to use Google and then uh, Can We Help will disappear it'll be fine there'll, yeah. be, no, there'll be no reason for it to exist anymore no, I'm, I'm just incidentally, trying incidentally our graphics guys are probably the best in, in Australian TV freaking freaking be seconded to talking heads love so it's gonna be- <laughs> <laughs> but love the graphics on, on your your graphics so guys amazing. give me they they give me a little uh, a little design boner. Yeah, that's right. Hey, don't start don't start with that. You might start outrage when you start talking like that. <laughs> now, hey, I, all I, letters can be sent to hooray <laughs> at boxcutters.net. I am just trying to make sense of this in my own head about why why ABC would cut Hungry Beasts. Look, what they have what they they haven't said there's not going to be a season three. They just haven't said there's going to be a season three. So they haven't been brought to account as yet as to why there won't be a season (laughs) three. (laughs) Much like much like a lot of the uh, American shows that we talk about, it just hasn't been renewed. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so Hungry Beast is the Studio Sixty of Variety. <laughs> <laughs> Hold back on on sending in the nuts just yeah. just yet. Uh, but, I know, think it has to do with Aaron Sorkin working on the show. <laughs> too, too much coke budget. Yeah. I wonder if there's a if if there's a a kind of political bias question about. Oh no, I don't think I don't think it's anything like that. No. no? Surely, surely it's going to be uh, attracting the, uh, the the people who who predictably come out and say, "Oh, ABC's biased to the left; it's full of socialists." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I reckon it's a plot by Elmo keeps killer robots. See, this is this is Elmo was was trying to to warn us when robots are put in charge of programming decisions. <laughs> this is what happens. This is what happens. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, see this, this season. Is great. Let's keep pushing Dan and see if we can make him say things. <laughs> this season's so you much better than being, last season. Do you know how I'm being thoroughly unentertaining? You, 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 you're being fascinatingly tight-lipped. I've got. Yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. Normally, if I was in the studio with you, uh, and I didn't have to be so protective of what I have to say, boy, would I be saying a few things. News, news just at hand. Dan Ehrlich refuses to get himself in trouble. <laughs> for a change. We're, we're, we haven't caught you in the, in the office with Mark Scott there, have we? No, you haven't. But uh, I tweeted him today. He, sent, he put an article on Twitter about, um, about uh, how people consume internet content. And it was a long New York Times article. And uh, it was saying people have short attention spans. But I refused to give in to that. And I read the whole thing <laughs> on my iPhone, on the toilet. So... Oh. Uh, so, uh, no, you haven't, but uh, I did converse with him over Twitter today about that. <laughs> well, uh, I've, just, I've just written a rant about uh, Senator Stephen Conroy. I read that. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I was quite angry when I wrote that. You were. Look, I met him. I, I know. I, I saw... So, I, is, he, is he human, then? He is. And I've got to say, if only Stephen Conroy could meet every other person 
who <laughs> was very anti Stephen Connor like I used to be. He does a massive charm offensive. He was uh, he's very he's a very nice guy, a very funny guy, and quite willing to have a laugh. And um, I uh, I I didn't really change my position on a clean feet, but he almost made me double think about it. Yeah. Ah. But he just keeps on bringing up the straw man defence. It's think about the kitties, think about the kitties, yeah, rather than talking about any of the issues that are that are serious, serious issues that are yeah, really going to damage the what, the online industry what, in this country. I what, have I have empathy for him because he said one thing during our interview which um, struck a chord with me. He said, "Look, when it comes down to it, we're the government. We've got to be seen to be doing something." And I thought, well, yeah, fair enough. That's yeah, good. but they should also be seen not to be fuckwits. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I think I think if if Conroy's charisma is what's selling uh, selling all of the the things that he's done recently, what we need to do is get Craig McLaughlin for uh, for for the opposing views, and then they can have a charisma battle. Yes, mm. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I'm not hearing any no's. I'm going to do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Dan Illich, thank you so much for, for joining us on Box Cutters. Yeah, thanks, Dan uh, Illich. Thank, thank you, uh, Josh and John. And Brett, I know you're there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was, I, I was actually just correcting the uh, pronunciation. No, we had this conversation. We've done it's, this conversation. A, it's, oh, my God. Illich. Sorry, I got it backwards. Yeah, Dan pronounces I it wrong. It we established yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, it's, I pronounce it wrong because it's the written, Serbians were the Nazis of the nineties. You pronounce it the Sydney way. Yeah, it's, I pronounce it the Sydney way. Yeah, they, it's they, written. They just it's can't written understand Illich. foreign cultures. That's it's, right. We did cover this territory. We did. Yeah, yeah, we we did. did. It's spelt Illich, but pronounced Illich. Yeah, um, Wogs in Melbourne uh, uh, vehemently, vehemently defend their heritage. Yes. Rather than rather than let it be anglicised like the Wogs up here. Yes. I think that's good. That's something to be proud of. Well, you know, of Melbourne. Which ones? Yeah, who else to be proud of? <laughs> the assimilators or the, the or the standouts? Which one are you saying? Yeah. Don't don't take sides. Don't take sides, Dan. If I've learned if I've learned something from the last three weeks, it is be as bland as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your head down. Don't have an opinion. Don't make jokes about anyone. If I've learned something. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we, uh, we, we look forward to talking to you uh, when we know more about whether or not Hungry Beast will come back. Uh, oh, but, terrific. You know, seemingly, seemingly not. And then when it doesn't, you can come in, tell well, us I'm all not... the stories. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll give you a tell-all like, where, where I can tell everything. We'll, uh, that'd be wonderful. We'll book that in right now. I'll, I'll even come in and do my Andrew Denton impression. <gasps> Excellent. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks so much, Dan. I might make you cry. <laughs> This is Senior Constable Alistair Farrell from Highway Patrol. Just stopped you for listening to Box Cutters. Any reason for that today? Oh, it's celebrity all the way, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he was a great guest. But, you know, celebrity. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. we've had a police constable on. Yeah. Yeah. Not even a sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know who is a sergeant? Who? No, he's not. He's not really. He's a sergeant of comedy. Mel Sargent is a sergeant of comedy. Yeah, she, no, doctor. that's just her surname. Yeah, but then you could have gone and Mel Sargent's a comedian and so was our next guest. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. Anyway, hi, Dave Blaustein. Blaustein, that was just, that, really? that link just got that much more Damn. awkward. I know, I did say before, remember we should check how to pronounce his name, but no, we forgot. No, I just wanted to, I just wanted to go with it. Uh, I just wanted to go with it. Blaustein. I should have gone with that. I'm an improviser. I should have just, but then, you know, People would uh, people would actually probably find it if they did a, a search as opposed well, to my name. Because we just had like Dan spelled. Dan Illich on, but his his name is spelt Illich, but pronounced Illich. But, but pronounced Illich, mm. and so your name is is spelt Blaustein, but pronounced Bluestein. That's right. My first name is Lucy, but spelt David. Very oh, confusing. That's weird. Google's yeah. very make, good though. Yeah, Dave. Every time I put your name in, it did say, "Did you mean this instead?" Yes, did you mean I did. Lucy Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Google can spell got, your name correctly and I can't. I got nothing now because I thought you were Dave Bl- Blaustein <laughs> and now you're L- Lucy Bluestein. I and, am. Uh, Bluestein to rhyme with blue steel is the easiest way to oh. para rhyme, really, not technically a rhyme. Oh. <laughs> for the, you know, for the literary theorists <laughs> in the. Um, <laughs> we'll get angry letters. My my name my name doesn't rhyme with uh, with any Jamie Lee Curtis films. None, <laughs> none at all. None at I all. I had not even a, it not, not even, even occurred to me the Jamie Lee Curtis connection. I was still thinking Zoolander. Zoolander. There you go. Yeah. Ah. Uh, <laughs> now, now now I'm thinking Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Well, see, I'm thinking Good Newsweek. You're you're a writer on Good, good Newsweek. You, you were a writer on The Glass House. Uh, you're a writer on Sideshow. That's true. Uh, My CV. So uh, basically, you know, all the Ted Robinson uh, pr- productions. Uh, yeah, the, well, all the ones that involve panels, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've done little bits of work for other shows of his, but uh, he's also started producing some awesome sitcoms lately that I'm not writing on at all. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Once narrative comes along, I'm out of a job. He knows, a, he knows where your talent is. That's your, right. It's your not, talent is in writing things that seem to be made up on the spot. That's right. It's pithy one-liners, not anything with characters or uh, emotional impact. There you go. Well, this is what I, I want to say that I, now. I, I wanted to ask this because yeah, you, you look at your, your, your list of stuff. You've also written things like in Siberia Tonight and Comedy Inc. Actually, that, that one's got scripts. Um, but yeah, all these programs in which it, I wrote for Comedy Inc. I don't think they ever used any of my sketches. I um, because oh, you wrote the good sketches. I was free, just well, didn't get I was to freelancing air. for them, so just sending them stuff and see you know if they they bought anything. But um, the first one, I think I kind of was in a different. Uh, demographic to what they were chasing. In my first sketch I wrote for them, which I still stand by, and if I ever make a sketch comedy show, this is what I'm going to do. They wanted, because they, they would have, like, say, some costumes or a set, and they would want a bunch of sketches on that topic, right? So mm. they said, look, we've got we've got some beekeeper uniforms, and we've got some hives. We want some beekeeper sketches. So the very first sketch I wrote for them was a beekeeper who, you know, imagine this sort of green, beautiful field, and there's like one of those white beehive things, and the beekeeper goes over to it and sprays some smoke in, takes out some honey on his glove, and then looks at it and looks around, starts smearing it on his arm and takes out some more, starts smearing it on his chest and just covers himself with honey and then just takes off, starts running and running down this green field, takes a massive flying leap and sticks onto a giant target. And then there's a whole crowd of beekeepers that do a little golf <laughs> <play. laughs> I see how that might not be filmable. <laughs> I'm very proud of it, though. But it's, it's, it's hilarious. Oh, it, thank you. It's it, hilarious it, it, in my mind. <laughs> I was to say that these are shows, uh, the, the panel ones, yeah, the three people yeah, behind yeah. the desk ones, that, that, as you said, we don't even think of them being written. Like, well, we- not everything's written. Like, the guests are, um, you know, are also are all winging it. Uh, people genuinely don't know the answers on Good Newsweek. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anything said to camera is basically because someone's looking at an auto cue. So, so let us know, how, how is it done then? How, uh, you know, the, the, pro- the writing process. a word picture. Yes. Yeah. If you, if you well, you see, this is what I love. I, I, I worry that I'm maybe giving away trade secrets, but. Ah, uh, screw it. Um, it's now what I love about the way that this works. It's so different to something like, say, Saturday Night Live, or you know, the way the, the sort of American model that you see on TV, where people sit around a table and throw jokes at each other, which is incredibly intimidating. I don't know if you've seen the average comedy writer, but we don't have strong egos. <laughs> There's no way we would stand up in that situation. Um, what what we do, uh, and this is really thanks to Ian Simmons, who's the head writer. This is, as far as I know, this is his model that he developed specifically for Good Newsweek after having an incredibly demoralising experience in another show. Um, is that we we basically submit material to Ian uh, with our names on it, but he collates it all anonymously in this big long list of one-liners that he's sort of uh, edited to a degree, and then we collectively edit it down to a, a fine kind of short monologue. So only about, I'd say, 10% of what gets written even makes it into the, the script, and then that gets cut down to a, you know to about a tenth of that 
So the fraction of stuff that gets written on any topic is going to end up in the show. But then how, how, do you, uh, how do you account for writers who are pulling their weight? Like if, if a writer hasn't had a joke on the show for 18 weeks in a row... Clearly. To go there, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> and I say that as a secular humanist. Uh, there's because you've got no like. I mean, you know, it, the nature of comedy is that you're going to have weeks where um, you feel like you've written every joke in the world, and you think you're the funniest person alive. And you have another day when you've got nothing that's made it to air. And it's. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that there there are situations where somebody, someone's not producing for a very long time, um, they might be let go. But. Uh, like any creative field, you know, you have boom and bust periods. And I think that one of the great things about working for Good News Week is that they do have a very strong sense of uh, family and community. And it's, you know, um, I mean, the Robinsons, I think Ted Robinson alone has, could, could populate <laughs> a, a, a production crew because his, um, his two of his sons work on the show. Um, but also, because so it's very much a family company, but also beyond that, you know, the, all the employees, there's a strong sense of family amongst them so it's nice so are you effectively just writing topical one-liners is that that that's sort of your gig is to show Pretty up much. and, and I mean, go what's in the paper i'll write a joke about it and then maybe they'll turn into a question or oh, no, no, it's much more like well we in the glass house we actually used to have these meetings where we'd sit around and say oh here's a funny story and then we'd sort of nail that down to which ones we're going to write about that day um it's not massively productive uh so now uh, plus you know ian gets up i think at about three in the morning and then reads all the papers and picks the ones he wants to do and so we work on those all day uh, and then he edits them at night and goes to bed at about two in the morning. So, what, so a, Ian, what a great life. Yeah. So yeah. Ian comes to so you and says... cross all the time. So he says, you know, <laughs> trade embargoes in the paper, that's what I want to do. And yeah, you yeah. guys go off and write a whole bunch of trade embargo cases. That's right. Well, I mean, sometimes there's something very topical, like uh, like China with Stern Hugh and all that stuff. There, there wasn't necessarily one particularly funny story. Um, so we would write about that in general. But more often than not, it's more to do with something bizarre that's happened in the news. I mean, it's a, more so than the Glasshouse um Good News Week's kind of light entertainment, you know. It's um, uh, Glasshouse is more about taking like a really kind of edgy topic and writing cock jokes, and uh, <laughs> uh, which you know is in a lot of ways reflects Will's style because he, he does you know he always says, oh I do cock jokes but he's always tackling sort of you know hard issues. Um, whereas Paul McDermott's more uh, I guess naughty, like his his edginess is different. It's not always a even though he has strong political views, what he when he's performing, it's more of a kind of a social edginess than a than a political one, you know what it's I mean? It's more, a, I can't believe you're getting away with saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so we'll often cover topics that are kind of in the strange but true section, of mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, that, um, uh, more so necessarily, uh, not more so, but more frequently than the um, sorts of stories that are, uh, you know, harder topics that just need to be, uh, obviously there's a big one, we'll, we'll cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anytime Barnaby Joyce opens his mouth, we're going to cover it. Uh, but yeah, it's a different emphasis. When you're writing for someone who has their own vocal style, uh, how much do you take that into account when you're writing the when you're writing the jokes, and how much do they go through and, and edit it into the way that they would say? Oh, it? all the, yeah, completely. I mean, that's one of the, the great challenges about it is that you've got a. I, I did a, a writing gig recently. Where I had to write some stuff for a corporate gig for um, for Larry Emder, and it was bizarre because I just realised I had no idea what his in that situation what his voice would be, uh, and. Uh, and it does really change the way you write. Um, for example, the the I did some writing for the debate. We always write for the moderator, whoever the moderator is. And it was Kring Grant. But I actually thought it was going to be Paul McDermott. 
and I wrote jokes which uh, one joke in particular is, is there a rating on your show? No, uh, no. Oh, cool. say what you uh, want <laughs> not until the internet filter comes in <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, then we're banned yeah this could get you banned um, no I wrote this one joke because the, the topic was food and sex basically and I wrote this one joke they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach of course if you actually touch his heart you might want to use a shorter strap on and uh, <laughs> which is you know it's kind of it's kind of uh, sniggery rather than uh, hilarious but I wrote that for I, Paul McDermott can't see Corinne saying that <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, I can, it's I just can't. weird isn't it Corinne yeah. does it like Paul McDermott that makes sense but Corinne that's strange yeah no in some ways it actually works better for Corinne and she does like those like she you know she's kind of because she's she has this kind of uh, I say persona but she is actually she's a very smart lady um, but she also you know isn't afraid to to come across as smart and then every so often she does like to be a little bit filthy so it could have you know it could have been but it didn't get picked oh. <laughs> I think it was in the extras it's usually a couple of pages of jokes to, to go to if you know if the others don't work but there you go <laughs> how long uh, does an episode of Good News Week tape for so, so uh, what's, well, the, what's each, the tape to each to 90, appearing 90 minute televised thing takes about um, three weeks to record uh, we get in the studio at some ungodly hour and I, we record two shows. Oh, can I even say that? I don't know yeah, if I'm yeah. allowed to give this away, well, that it's that it's, it's not live late. live. I think, um, I think it's known. All uh, right. Because we, we record two shows a fortnight. I'm sure jokes about which that is, are meant to air. Which is what uh, Glasshouse did, did yeah. after, so, after the first few episodes. Yeah. So we, did the, we put the, the really topical stuff in, in the first one and the stuff that can wait a week in the second one, basically. Um, so the... Um, we get two done a day, but it's a long day. <laughs> like it, I think it takes about. Um, well, it depends. You know, normally a show, an episode would take about probably about uh, two and a half hours to, to film, mm-hmm. uh, maybe three hours to film. Uh, of course, you get Akmal and Ross Noble in the same episode, then it's going to take uh, pretty much six to eight hours to film. Um, they're both quite chatty, but it's yeah. So a lot of stuff hits the cutting room floor. I know, like a ninety-minute TV show, obviously, is what like about. Uh, an hour of, of footage, maybe a um, bit more. So, oh, no, a bit more than that. Anyway, it's you know, it's still a l- It'd be about seventy minutes. minutes. Yeah, I'd say I'd say about a third of um, a third of what gets filmed, maybe less, actually makes it into the final. Now, with show. that timing, Good News Week went over time for so <laughs> long. Was that it? Did was, was that you consciously pushing for a longer time slot and and so subsequently now are you are you putting out like a like a uh, a hundred minute episode so you're going for the two hour <laughs> well, slot every week Paul, Paul has this fantasy where we do the show without the guests and uh, he just gets to to do all the material in the monologues for you know for two hours but I think the I'm actually quite far down the food chain when it comes to the production side of things. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really know a lot of the politics about what goes on, um, but I do know often that um, essentially the writing is there to support the guests. Like if the guests are hilarious for an hour and a half, then there's an hour and a half of guests in there, you know, uh, with a, a tag for each bit. Um, but so there's often like really strong and strenuous debates about what gets to stay in and, and what we leave out. But sometimes there's just too much stuff they want to keep in. Um, plus, you know, it it rates okay, so it rates pretty well. So it the works to, not, to keep people networks. hanging around for Supernatural. Yeah, networks they were to upset, change so. channels after that. Yeah. Do, do you provide <laughs> anything for the guests? Like, like, do they get a little you know thing in the room going? By the way, here's some jokes that you might want to use. Uh, no, very, very, very rarely we might have a guest who freaks out and um, uh, wants to know what general areas the stories might be in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just it's it's always funny if they if they're genuinely guessing. You know, you, you have these um you have these shows where that are some shows that are ostensibly quiz shows, but the guests know the answer, and it's just not it's not the same. There's no tension, and the guess there's a I do a lot of improv, and there's a, a famous quote from Keith Johnston, who's a guy who basically formed theatre sports in, in Canada which is a, a brilliant mind in panic is a wonderful thing to see I'm kind of paraphrasing I don't remember the exact line but when you know that you're actually in the moment and you don't know exactly what's going on that's when I think you get the best stuff from the guests but the uh, Glasshouse used to uh, used to fax the uh, uh, the biggest stories to to the guests or that, that's, that's it, wasn't it, it wasn't a quiz show no so. <laughs> no that's true um, but still you know, it was, I mean, make, make stuff up on the spot come on yeah. that's what we're paying you for <laughs> dance monkey dance <laughs> no but that was why they could have so many sporting personalities on that show rather than having to have all uh, kind of stand up comic types but also the uh, I mean you, you want the guests to uh, a good comic will always seem like they're making stuff up on the spot anyway but uh, you know always make jokes seem fresh but uh, it's it's nice to have a combination. I mean, Will would spend Will would be in the office uh, as much as the writers writing you know gags for the jokes as well for himself to use. Um, he wouldn't necessarily use them depending on if something funnier occurred to him on the spot. He'd just use that instead. But it's it's there as a backup. You know. You mentioned before. I mean, you're also a performer. You're doing a show at the moment for the comedy festival. I, You've got a well, one coming up, and we'll vlog all this. Yes, you just stand up in various sorts. Does that ever? I mean, do you ever find yourself in the writers' room wanting to push Will down some stairs? Or so? yeah, is there what? a bit of a, all, all, <laughs> bit of an all about Eve thing going on? Oh no, going, maybe, maybe some of the on, guests. But yeah, maybe some of the guests are. Like, oh yeah, surely. Oh look, last minute emergency. Oh no, what are you going to do to find to fill that? Uh, Bruce Griffiths. Oh, who's hmm. uh, one of the other writers who's a well, stand-up? Uh, <laughs> and that's the same. He's a brilliant stand-up, but you know, Adam Rosenbach has, has found himself on. on yeah, I was very ABC very impressed. Radio. Um, well, Celia Pacuola has done a lot of writing for us, mm-hmm. and uh, she doesn't write on the weeks when she's going to be on the show. Um, but, but, but do you try and push? Is there any way you can push into with that sort of stuff, oh, or is it? No, I mean, I is there a deline- delineation between your roles? I think I've I've discovered pretty much my strengths are more in the the writing than the stand up. I've learned the thing about stand up is not just um, being, things like being on the show, but you really need to be able to commit to proper kind of touring and and that whole lifestyle that goes with it and uh i've, di- I've discovered because i've got a family i've got a daughter and, and a mortgage and I, I feel basically like i've been having this long-term um scorching affair with stand-up and i keep trying to leave stand-up and stand-up keeps dragging me back in so i, I just can't commit enough i think to be on maybe one day maybe you know maybe if there's like a i don't know a um TVS, Are you call it TVS here, Channel Thirty One uh, oh, panel yeah. show that's desperate for <laughs> for uh, less famous comedians. Then I'm in like a shot. Uh, but until then, no, I, you know, I'm a writer. Uh, I'm I'm happy where I am. So I uh, I cry myself to sleep, and uh, next day I'm fine. <laughs> I, I love the idea, and I, I think we should pitch a show uh, to the networks. For uh, a show filled with less famous comedians, I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's going to work really nicely. Who's that it? then? Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say the Seven PM project. We have to cut that out. Oh, <laughs> oh, no, don't say that. Scathing. Don't say that. Please don't say that. Uh, please don't say that. Go there. Well, <coughs> too late. And <laughs> no, it's a wonderful show, but it is uh, it is definitely the boring. next generation. No, I did <clears> not say that was uh, no. Not, that was me. I said it was boring. That's not professional courtesy but I, of I, my. Uh, <laughs> I, I think was, definitely that show has, has changed from, and and in fact, uh, from I, uninteresting to I, boring. I read an, an article yesterday. Um, it's changed from trying to be a comedy show to to being a lot more about a, a bit of a right yeah. 
take on on the news of well, the day. And in was... fact, they're bringing in a, in a, a news editor right. uh, to the staff to, to make it a lot more newsy than it has that was been always previously. The difficulty for me for getting into it, um, because I, you know, you've got this amazing comic talent on there, and at the same time, it didn't quite. It sort of felt like I didn't know whether I wanted to be a comedy show or a or a news show. And same, yeah. same in some ways with Hungry Beast. You know, you've got these sort of really interesting investigative journalist elements and some really piss uh, sketches. Yeah, funny yeah. sketches. And I, I don't think the marriage necessarily works because the tone is too up and down. Mm-hmm. I think you can deal with serious topics in a funny way, or you can deal with serious topics in a serious way but I think when you put the two together it's hard to know and I find this problem with my stand-up all the time because I try and do like I'm doing this show at the moment about the history of Western philosophy and it's um, and I've tried to tackle serious topics in the past It's there, there is a way of doing it I don't know if I've figured it out yet but uh, I mean Russell Kane's doing a show which is basically sociology uh, with an hour of you know fantastic stand-up so um, it's got to be possible um, Chris Addison's famous for doing this show about um Yes. Civilization, what about evolution? And, yeah, Andrew, yeah. Andrew McClelland does excellent shows on, exactly. on subjects yeah, yeah, yeah. like the Roman Empire, is his, his current one. Yeah, exactly. History of Roman Empire, history mm. of pirates. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so basically, it's just my incompetence we're talking about now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think when it comes to TV, I mean, you take a show like I love Money of the Gun for me is a really formulative you know, Australian TV show. Like that was um, one of the shows when I, I really decided I wanted to, to either to, to make television, not just watch it. Um, and that did actually marry those two areas really nicely but um you had i mean for a start you had andrew denton the whole way through uh and who was always kind of i guess taking a comic position on serious topics rather than you know um switching from one to the other um yeah well the, oh sorry, you oh, go, sorry. Go, go john no go you you somebody come <laughs> on you hang up I, no, was gonna, <laughs> I was going to say it's interesting that you mentioned that because Good uh, Good Newsweek, the, the first time round, the original ABC Good Newsweek, yeah. some research at the time I think found that uh, a lot of young people were basically getting all their news from it in the oh, same yeah, way totally. that research keeps funding in the US that the, the Daily Show is yeah. is a yes. major, and and in fact I think there was a point in which I was getting all my news from Good Newsweek yeah. as well, whereas the new the you know, the newer version seems much more a, a kind of like you're saying more of an entertainment style than a news style program. Well, I think that certainly, that certainly suits. I think what Channel Ten wants from the show, uh, which is is more of a, um, you know, uh, more of a more of a light entertainment mm-hmm. category. I mean, we have music and you know guest musicians and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah, I was just wondering in the writing room though whether you ever go actually that's music, but probably too obscure or oh, all the time. It's it's more like uh, I really want to talk about this, but it's just too dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are certain categories we just can't touch. Uh, which like, is which is the same with Channel Ten News. Yeah. I mean, they they already have quite an entertaining news service. Yeah, yeah. quite a light hearted with jugglers and uh, and, and bands and <laughs> bands, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, what flamethrowers? I mean, fl- yeah, fire now with the weather, here's Angie Hart. Flamethrowers <laughs> <laughs> would be a much more serious news service. We should do more of that. Go, yeah, talking Clark and yeah, talking about that. There was a campaign, uh, advertising campaign coming up to this this series now of uh, Good News Week. On Channel Ten, uh, with the three of them in a cafe, saying, "Oh, the, the network wants this to be funnier." Was there actually that call from? I, I don't know. The I, I haven't they even wanted seen more that. jokes and, uh, and less news. <laughs> where, where they were making well, things out of newspaper. My, de- and, my department has always been about writing jokes and occasionally, you know, coming up with games. So, um, but like, did the they, idea that did they the actually news department on, that on the says we stuff? need to be funnier? That's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do they ask Frankly, you to be funnier, Dave? Uh, they, yes, yes, every day. I ask that myself. So, so I watch my jokes get edited out of the show. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move away from that self pity. Um, uh, so so 
So, do you have a joke writing department and a question writing department? Oh, no. Well, I mean, the head writer often comes up with the questions, but he may say, um, can we have a bunch of, you know, for example, things like um, particularly uh, games that might involve like um, questions with multiple answers, some of which are funny. Uh, like uh, we do a segment, I can't think of what it's called at the moment, but it might be called, I think it's called Border Insecurity, where we have an international guest asked questions about Australia mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> to see if they could possibly get, you know, what the true answer is. Uh, it might be about you know, jumbucks and billabongs or something, and there's no way they'd actually know the answer. And So we, we would all write a bunch of joke questions for that. Right. Um, you know, we all... Um, and, and then those would be edited down or selected or changed. I mean, he edits as well as as deleting, you know, might change a word here or two there to give it a, a common tone. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have an interesting idea. Why don't you tell us... You've already told us the name of your comedy festival show. Yes. Can you tell it to us again? Oh, no, I haven't. I told you the, the, the name you told of us my, the, the my th- secret show. My not, oh, my the, not, se- the, the secret show. Western philosophy. It's not my comedy festival That's show. not your comedy festival no, show. No, no, no. I did it at Adelaide, and I'm redoing it for... Um, I'm doing it in Sydney, and I just thought I'd do a secret one-off trial show on Tuesday night of the... Uh, Oh. So uh, where, where are you doing that? Uh, an awesome venue called Tuxedo Cat, Flinders, Flinders Lane. I don't know if you've been there, but it's like walking to a 1950s radioactive bunker. Uh, it's this long kind of corridor that uh, smells of urine. And then you go on. You've like, just described every single bar in Melbourne. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's right next to the Bull and Bear on Flinders Lane. You get this, this, down, this dark underground tunnel where you expect you know, zombies to come uh, bursting out any minute. And you turn the corner and it's this beautiful area with couches. I and have no idea where this is. What's the cross street? Do you know? Uh, it's just, if you're heading... Uh, so Bull and Bear, I would assume down near the financial district. Uh, so, uh, 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 the, yes. the Manhattan end. William, it's William Street, Coin Street. No, it's um, just past Elizabeth Street, uh, away from Swanston. Okay. It's an awesome Between area. Queen that's so that's, that's, Tuesday, night, down there, that's yeah. Tuesday the 6th. So, if you're listening to this... And, right. and if people want to see you uh, at other times... Oh, well, because I have an improv group called Puppy Fight Social Club, which is a lot of fun. And it's kind of a... What we do is we take um, comedians from all over the festival who give us short, so- short sets, like five minutes or, or whatever, and we kind of remix them uh, into improv sketches. And on top of that, we've got a DJ who also does some video, like some VJ stuff, where he's got this fantastic mashup of YouTube clips that he live mixes on, on stage. Yeah, oh, it's great fun. Very silly. Yeah. And uh, and so when 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 can we see that? That is Friday and Saturday at eleven o'clock at night at Trades Hall. It's a late night thing. Two more shows. Good names coming too: Sarah Millican, Jamie Kilstein, Phil Nichols, uh, um, Tommy Dasilo. Uh, I don't remember who else, but it'd be great fun. Josh loves Phil Nichols. I, I saw Phil Nichols last night. It's wonderful. It's just uh, just sensational. I, oh, I think. Did you genius. see the Naked Racist? I did. Yeah, I've, I've seen many. many I, I I've heard been myself old. shrieking like a little girl. <laughs> Old Cork in the Juice Pigs fan, and, uh, and uh, yeah, just, just every single time. It's, isn't it amazing when you're like your your comedy, um, you know, your when you're a kid and your your comedy interests come come back around. Like I am, um, I mean, this is, we were talking before about uh, the Money or the Gun. I grew up watching the Money or the Gun and uh, the Big Gig and the Gillies Report, and now I work for and with the people who are involved in all those shows. So it's a pretty exciting place to be. Or or it says. Maybe it's time for them to just let go <laughs> and give you give me control. my own show. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, uh, Liz- Lissy Blomfeld, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, it's been wonderful for, uh, for joining us on Boxcars and uh, and Dave Bluestein as well. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. If you watch one thing. Yes.
guess it's that segment that once a week some member of the team always forgets to prepare something for. Who is that this week? Who is it this week then? Who is it? Yeah, because that's awful when those people forget. It's awful. Who should let's point and point and mock? Who forgot this week, Josh? N- N- Nelly. Nelly forgot. Nelly's not here. Anybody else? Um, Anybody? Brett. Brett, did you forget? I did not forget. John, did you? No, I did not forget. Right. Well, that's all of us then. So <laughs> that only leaves one thing. So, Brett, what one thing are you watching this week? My one thing, uh, purely based from uh, the the little commercial that I saw on the ABC uh, in the last couple of days, because it, it just looks sensational, is uh, Britain from Above, uh, which is on ABC One at eight thirty tomorrow night. That's Tuesday, the sixth of April. Am I guessing this is some beautiful natural history kind of epic cinematography kind of thing, showing us aerial views? Yes, uh, I guess epic. Um, it, well, it looks like it's a uh, a series. It's uh, acclaimed journalist Andrew Marr goes. Ah, there you go. Goes on an epic journey <laughs> <laughs> through one day in the life of Britain as seen from the skies, from helicopters, planes, hang gliders, and satellites. He gives the big picture of a nation that is constantly on the move. Oh, look at that! They look like ants. Yeah, oh, but it has a uh, you know kind of light trails going around the there. streets of London and and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and that looks like little little ants with lights if, on their heads. If you consider that that's actually we were, we were talking I think when we talked about maybe survivors that every single BBC science fiction show now by law seems to need to have a, an aerial view from a helicopter of people rushing around streets maybe it's all just the footage they had left over from filming survivors and Torchwood and Doctor Who and they just went you know what whack Andrew Marr into it it's a whole thing oh look those those people are in a hurry oh look it's <laughs> It's some farmland. It, it sounds like uh, leftover footage from, from shooting street scenes uh, just as, as backing footage for a headache commercial. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was going to recommend uh, the Alex Corder famous movie The Thief of Baghdad, which is playing on ABC One. I can't remember where because I don't have the computer in front of me. Ah. It's it's overnight, like Thursday night, Friday yeah, Thursday morning. Thursday night, Friday morning, 12.15 a.m., uh, 1940, it's a classic, it's meant to be great, I've never watched it. Baghdad, spelt without an H, which makes it quite hard to Google. Because uh, I, I remembered it was on, but couldn't find it. Well, you know that, because mm. you know that James Brown song, Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. Mm. And then someone stole that brand new bag, and so this is actually The Thief of Bag, Dad. Dad. Nice. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Well, that's why there's no H. Yeah. But Thief of Bag, Dad. What would you watch, Josh? T- television. I would actually watch if anyone has access to the uh, third series of Breaking Bad and you're not sure if you should watch that yet, uh, absolutely go ahead and watch it. It's it's superb if you can get that somehow into your house for uh, for, for viewing. Just just amazing. The first episode back is one of the most tense hours of television I've uh, I've ever seen. More so in the basement with the bike lock in the first series. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, more fifth episode. Yeah, God, more. So much of that series is tense. Though, I know, it? I know. But this, this kind of this. But then it kind of gets with, funny. This starts with an obscure tense bit, and then just gets less obscure and more tense as the uh, as as the hour goes on until you finish. To going, oh my god, I can't watch any television or have any kind of input into my brain at it all. Really, was a weird spin off from Malcolm in the Middle. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, so, so that's that's what I would watch hey um when i cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done pork is on the table 
So having a look at the Yahoo 7 Logies information page, uh, which is interesting because the Logies traditionally a uh, uh, Channel 9 uh, PBL-related uh, venture. The host is Bert Newton, who's a Channel 9 personality. And uh, and it is run by uh, TV Week, which is part of the 9MSN uh, group of, uh, of website magazines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but Channel 7 have all the information that you can find on voting for the uh, f- for the Logies. Oh, okay. So Yahoo 7 have all the information you need to be able to find, uh, you know, where, what number you SMS to and what you SMS to do, which number. Do they list everyone or just the seven personalities? Uh, no, they list, they list everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, the 9MSN website with the TV Week bit has none of that information. Cannot find any information about how to vote for the Logies at all, the problem with the Yahoo Seven uh, one is uh, is with their uh, bits for Will Anderson. They've misspelled his name. Oh. Two L's. Two L's. So to vote via SMS, you're supposed to uh, just send in the person's name to to a particular number. Oh. Will, but it's not going to work if you send it's, the. If, if I'm, I'm guessing, it's not going to work if you misspell Will. Uh, and they've they've put it as Will Anderson with two L's, not Freak just out. not just in the how to how to vote area, but also in captions under his photo and just no checking whatsoever. I guess he's not that well known. No, no, he's only up for the gold logie. <laughs> only up for the gold logie, and uh, and and you know, pretty much sold out the comedy theatre for his entire comedy festival but season. But only a tokenistic nomination there. No, there's no way he's going to win the gold logie. No, not no, well. Not, not if people misspell his name. Not if they uh, actually vote for him. Yeah, yeah. I guess is, they make sure of it. But also, they, inter- they could have had uh, uh, our Channel Thirty One uh, friends in there and, and misspelt that, so that uh, guaranteeing <laughs> yeah, that, that they would have no votes. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, but, and, but also, and then that lady from TV we could be able to go. <laughs> See, I told you there was no point getting a nomination <laughs> for. <laughs> Hey, oh. Speaking of comedy, yes. I just want to mention I saw Nellie Thomas's show this week. Oh, I could have been a sailor. Fantastic. She's great. It's such a good show. So yes, if you if you haven't won tickets last week, go and buy some. Go and see yeah, Nellie Thomas. Go, yeah. go and buy some. See N- Nellie Thomas. It's definitely worth doing because she's excellent. And do stick around after the show. She'll be there. You can say talk a, to her. Say hello to her because apparently she's yes, she's worried that that yeah, everyone's frightened of her. But yeah, don't it, be don't be frightened why? of Nelly. She's is it lovely. a frightening show? No, 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 no. Apparently the, the people who won tickets last time, you know, she went, oh, I'll meet some of the Boxcars family. No one, they all left. No one, no one, <laughs> no one stuck around. Maybe, Possibly well, it's because well, she does she does stab an audience member during the show. Yeah, but who? Doesn't? Oh, so, so there are there are actual bad seats to be in. No, in no, the no, 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 there's no, there's no, there's no. No, there's which no one's stabbing. the stabby seat? Yeah, the there's only, no stabbing. The only there's show no you'll see where you get stabbed is Andrew McClellan's uh, Roman Empire uh, show, which does actually involve two members of the audience being asked to stab each other. I think they've changed the uh, public liability laws this year because everyone's got people up on stage. Which oh. we haven't seen for quite a while. Another thing I saw this week, new Doctor Who is, is out. This is the first of the Matt Smith stories. Eight million people in the UK have watched it. So the baby Pro- doc. Probably, yes, maybe, probably eight million people around the world have watched it illegally <laughs> as well. Um, it's, it's curious because he does look about 50 on screen. So therefore it takes away that whole he's too young thing. So that's, yeah, he's a weird looking fellow. Is, it a, is uh-huh. it a good story? It's great, actually. It's really good. Um, it's curious how similar in some ways it is to Rose, which was the, the, the episode that brought the series back except that this one seems to have pacing and structure. And, uh, could, could that be well, a Stephen Moffat one. issue? The Stephen Moffat thing is, yeah, is, it's, it's, it's noticeable. Uh, again, also it's noticeable because at least some of it comes from the time traveler's wife. Stephen, buy a new book. <laughs> buy a new... It's, that's four stories now. Buy a new book. There are many available. 
In fact, libraries. Remember libraries? You did one about a library. They have books you can borrow that aren't the time travel's wife by Audrey Diffidegger. Would it be able to rip off any parts of uh, the, the time machine, the H.G. Wells novel? Oh, you could have a go. It's, yeah. um, it's hilarious that Audrey Diffidegger's uh, follow-up actually includes a scene where people sit down and watch one of Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who stories. Like, she's aware that he's ripping her off. <laughs> but it's actually, but it, look, it's really well acted. It's really funny. It's, 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 yes, it's quite charming. So it's, it's got the you know, little Scottish girl in it. Who could hate that? So, uh, yeah, it's well Oh, that little well Scottish girl, Heidi. Yeah, the theme tune, possibly even worse than it was last time around. Who can oh. tell? Murray Gold just keeps murdering that in new and unexpected ways. But you know, uh, One of my favourite versions of the, uh, of the Doctor Who theme song comes in uh, a Pink Floyd live album. Oh, uh, yeah. where, uh, where, where they're Delicate doing... Sound of Thunder. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, and, and there's a, a bit during, I think, because Shine On Your, your Crazy Diamond, and they, uh, and they go into uh, some Doctor Who. Or cool. is, you know, one of the songs, whatever. Great gig in the, gig yeah. in the sky. I don't know. One of them. Who are uh, careful with that X Eugene? Maybe. Yeah. I, I got sure. Even, and I got more. Really, you're thinking well, something but... off uh, off the dark side. Of the <laughs> no, of, of course, Shine on your crazy diamonds not on uh, dark side. That's on wish you were here. But like my, my last bit of crazy pork, I, I'll, I will hold off on. Did you have any pork you wanted to to share, Mister Grubbly? Uh, you know, I I got quite annoyed uh, over the last few days. How how much we are all expected to be observing Christians as far as news reports? Only from afar. And, and, well, we're you know, only supposed you, to observe from afar. Yeah, yeah, you can't get up to up close to them. With binoculars. They get weird about it. Stripping Christians in the flat opposite. But just... Uh, and so, so we've we've had so much uh, news coverage as as far as uh, everybody came together to celebrate the the death and resurrection of Christ, presenting it like it almost like it was a news story, like it, like it was factual. And and I think that we've it is factual. People did come together to celebrate. That's no, no, but, but presenting it as factual that the the that Son Jesus of God actually, yeah. was held up, was nailed to a cross, and then and then rose again. Three days later, and then pissed off, uh, not not wanting to to show anybody that uh, it was actually him coming back. Not that I would want to be the doubting Thomas looking for the holes in his hands. Um, but uh, just just Is the that non- where that comes from. Just yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. did not know that. Yeah, oh, there you go. Doubting Thomas, and then he goes and he sticks he sticks his hand into his side wound just to check. Yeah, it's all fake. Look, hey. yeah. I'm learning so much stuff this week. I didn't know that rangers came from orangutan. I thought it was a derivation on orange. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm learning there as well. So did I, until just now. Are yeah. you sure? Yeah, apparently we're, we're, it's, it's to, to say that they're monkeys. What about fire crotch? Uh, or Fanta pants. That comes from a popular drink. Um, I, I, no, I um, so pants. I do love drinking. Uh, every now, when we finish the show, I love to sit back with a lovely can, can of ice pants. cold can of pants. And and it seemed to be quite quite specific to a white Anglo type uh, uh, religious celebration of. Of this apparent fact of, of the nailing up so of Christ. So are you, are you so, just so discovering I see, now? I didn't see any any coverage of Greek Easter, which is always a massive uh, time in the, the the Greek Orthodox Church's no, calendar. No, no mass pun it normally does there. happen happen uh, on a different weekend to to the uh, the Western uh, religious weekend, um, and also then. We we had George Powell and the Archbishop of Melbourne and uh, the the Baptist Peter Norden not Peter Norden uh, the 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 outrageous dude up in Sydney and stuff talking talking really paranoidly about 
the atheists and how they hate all of these Christians and they hate their God, which patently is an illogicality because the atheists don't believe in a God, so how can they hate an idol that they so now don't you, you actually say that, believe in? Do you in? think this is maybe for the new services? Is this some sort of um, knee-jerk reaction to the fact that the atheist convention was on a couple of weeks ago and got a lot of coverage? And Stephen, Stephen Dawkins? No, Richard Dawkins mm. has, has been in town. He's got a lot of coverage. But and, I never and once saw just Richard Dawkins on, on a news service. Okay, so I was wondering maybe if they, they said, oh, we have done an awful lot of atheist covering, maybe we better suddenly go, Jesus, for Easter. Maybe, maybe. But, you know. This it, Easter. It's also exclusionary of. of <laughs> Jesus, it's eggs. <laughs> it's also exclusionary of our Jewish friends, our mm-hmm. Muslim friends, our. our uh, Buddha, Buddha. I, I, don't, I don't think worshippers. that. I don't think that generally. Uh, unless it's Davidians. unless it's related to <laughs> unless it's related to some economic issue like Christmas is uh, and Easter is for for confectioners. Mm. Uh, I Re- don't really. We're going to have a chocolate lead recovery. No, I'm just saying. But it is it is a you know our chocolate sales down for this Easter. You know that's, that's I didn't see that story. It no, was all about everybody was at mass. But this is what I'm saying. That sort of story is worth reporting. If that is a story, then that's worth reporting. But otherwise, I don't think religious holidays are worthy of... Uh, they're not of unexpected, generally. are they? I mean, no. you know, we can kind of... We can pretty well timetable when they're going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and in, in news just at hand, last Sunday was Easter. <laughs> Who saw that coming? <laughs> yeah. 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 Calendar makers. Let me share another bit of pork. I read this just before leaving the house to come here today, and I just... I want to tell you. I'm just so excited. I, I did not know this. You know Mastermind... The, yeah, um, yeah, the, I, I will stress this is not connected to anything that's been in the, the show. This is just the, the UK old, quiz show. The UK quiz show. show. The, it doesn't have it anymore. They would cho- choose their, their special subject. Uh, yes. and um, Which it, finished up a few years ago. Uh, and, uh, and I think the last contestant's uh, special subject was uh, the Sex Pistols 1970s. Okay. And, and you know, the show started in 72 and it has uh, had revivals and stuff. Can, and, can I also just know. say now I think Brett's special subject would be previous <laughs> special subjects <laughs> on Mastermind. Mastermind. Anyway, yeah. Only the last one. <laughs> and if you've never seen it, it's someone sitting in a chair and it's very dark and it's got this very ominous music. Downlight, it's actually called I'm Approaching I'm Menace, apparently, is actually the title of the theme tune. And yeah, Downline. It was all, it's all very, yeah, it was, it was really, I remember as a kid, it was very intense. It's kind of like the Einstein factor, but a single person there. Yeah. yeah. It was devised by a man called Bill Wright. I discovered today. He came up with the format idea when he was being tortured by the Gestapo in World War II. See? That's what it's based on. The Nazis interrogated him. And he apparently was thinking, you know what, this would be great for a game show. (laughs) That's That's, insane. That is is really a life gives you lemons. (laughs) It so is. It so is. That's just, his his optimism is just, it's... What? Everyone can learn something from Bill Wright. That is astonishing. But I love you, Bill Wright. That's what was his special subject with the Gestapo? Well, I don't know, because presumably he didn't tell them the answers, and that's yeah. why he was... He went, where the hey, resistance? If I, if I told them the answers, this could go better for me. <laughs> his, his special subject was uh, rank name and serial number. <laughs> <laughs> They're just astonishing thing. Because I read this in a book I was reading today, and went, no, that's patently a lie, and went to went to the internet where all, all the truth lives. And, um, and yep, yeah, no, everything I can find is that is... It's absolutely true. That is where Mastermind comes from. That's extraordinary. Nazi interrogation for fun. And I think that's a, that's a perfect note for us to finish this week's <laughs> episode of, uh, of Box Cutters. We'll leave you with that thought. This, uh, <laughs> this week's I've ep- started, so I finish. <laughs> 
this week's episode of Box Cutters has been brought to you by Pants. Enjoy a lovely, cold, refreshing drink of Pants. We do. A drink of Pants. <laughs> he doesn't listen. He just doesn't he really listen doesn't during listen. the show. He, no. he has no idea. No idea. Thanks very much to Dan Illich and Dave Bluestein for coming onto the show. And, and uh, Dan Illich and Lucy uh, Bloomfeld as well. Yes, yes. Oh, they were great. What a, what a wonderful double act they would make. That song made me cry. I know. Still, it's a shame they didn't win. <laughs> At least they got nominated. Come next on. Next week, my name is Josh Canal. <laughs> I'm Jim Richards. I continue to be Brad Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, and hey. <laughs> Sorry, should I have come in <laughs> yeah, with what, something what, what unrelated? Was, yeah. <laughs> Let's be careful out there. Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. So my other thing I discovered as well about unexpected origins for TV shows, Pot Black. That is so disturbing. I'm just drinking some pants. Sorry. I can't wait for the show to end. I can't wait. Pot Black. Yes. Snooker and telly. 1969. BBC Two is about to start. It's in colour. They're having a meeting going, what's a sport we can put on that will be somehow... Seriously, were we somehow colour related? <gasps> snooker. There weren't enough professional snooker players. They couldn't get an audience. Apparently, they'd keep dragging people in from the BBC canteen. So just sh- sit there and shut up. And uh, that apparently, and Pop Black became the second most popular BBC Two uh, show. That is why Pop Black exists, because it had coloured balls. And the host, Ted Lowe, famously was quoted in one episode because he knew people were still watching in black and white. For those watching in black and white. For those watching in black and white, he said. Steve is going for the pink ball. And for those of you who are watching in black and white, the pink is next to the green. (laughs) Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.